right. So we were starting to talk about the fact that you had a bad spell, and then you reflected, and then you came right out of it. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. That's the whole practice. Uh, <laughs> that's why the Harley-Davidson has a backup gear. Backup key? Yeah, backup gear. Oh, gear. Big Harley Hog has a backup gear. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No other motorcycles have a backup gear or a reverse. Cars have a reverse gear. Mm -hmm. Right? What that means is, is that sometimes you realize that you've made a left turn or, or something, and now you're going down the wrong road. Are you going down the wrong direction and we need to back up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that's basically what we're saying is, is that you've got a way of backing up out of it. And that backing up is a set of skills, a set of tools that we have already fully developed the forward gears. I mean, our society has been teaching us to go do, run, fix etc like that uh and so that's not the issue the issue is is that we need a set of tools or a set of skills and i was about to talk about it in the sense of a plumber or uh, a carpenter that the carpenter in order to make a chair needs two things he needs the tools saws hammers glue wood, but he also needs the skill of knowing how to use the saw, the hammer, the nails, the glue. And he also has to have a pretty good idea of what he's making, like a chair or a table. Okay, without a concept of a table, he's, uh, the carpenter is not going to do so much. But the thing of it is, is that tables are quite common. But in meditation or in the Western Buddhism, we, the, the carpenter, the new student, thinks that he's got to build a very, very, very fancy table, right? That's the only table he's going to build is a really, really fancy one mm -hmm. instead of one that's uh, utilitarian. Okay, and so in that regard, we're always looking for something special when in fact what we need to do is something that is ordinary. Now, here's something that's really amazing, and I think a lot of people will not understand this, but joy is common. Joy is common. It's as common as table. Mm -hmm. Every carpenter has seen a hundred tables before he ever thinks about building one. He was around tables when he was a baby. He was around tables seeing his dad make tables if his dad was a carpenter. So he knows all about tables. But um, if we have the idea that it's not a real table that we want to make, that it's a really special fancy one, then that's kind of magical thinking. 
to want something special, to want something um, uh, worthy only of a king. Yeah. Right? Okay. So this is where we're going with this. So we need to have two kinds of skills. One is the toolbox, the actual saws and hammers and glue and wood and that sort of thing, which we then can call the teachings of the Buddha. And yet those tools can be badly mismanaged. So it takes skills to learn how to use them. With saws, <clears throat> with saws you can cut your finger. With hammers, you can bang your thumb. Mm -hmm. People do this a lot with their meditation because they're not developing the skills. Mm. So it is the actual skills that we need to develop, and that's, those skills are in fact specified in the Eightfold Noble Path. So it's the skill of sati, but knowing that sati is a tool that needs to be developed is then the tool that the Buddha gives. So, the to, uh, so it's not just the saw, but it's how to use the saw. And once we knew, know how to use the saw, then we can take that ordinary table that we have in our mind and start to put it together. This is a really important quality because uh, the, the skills are going to be developed to make the table while we're making the table. So that the next time we make a table, it's a whole lot easier because now we've got the skills. And now we can think of, well, what do you mean by that? And the answer is, is that, that you're making the new table, the kind of table that I'm talking about, every minute. Every minute there's a new table to be made. Why? Because they're, they're really that easy to make. Yeah. If you've got the skills and you've got the tools. Mm -hmm. But once you know that you've got the tools and the skills, and this is the part where we're coming to now, is, is that when you know that you've got the skills and you know that you've got the tools, then that gives you a kind of a confidence that you can build a table anytime you need one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing about the Buddhism. People get uh, the idea of uh, all day long or constantly or um, uh, taking things as a, as a long period of time um, instead of thinking about it at this moment. What's happening right now? Yeah. In, okay, so what's happening right now or in this present moment, we can have that confidence, oh, I need the Dhamma right now, let's build a table right now. And then we do it, okay? And we keep doing that over and over again and then we get that confidence going that I can do this. Now taking this analogy that I'm building and put it back into the experience that you've had, when people have a bad day, if they don't have the tools and they don't have the skills, then they're kind of stuck with that bad day because they will keep repeating that bad day. Over and over and over again, they'll keep repeating that bad day. You could say 
Uh, an example of that would be a carpenter that is missing a particular skill. Um, let us say that he's missing the skill of, uh, do you know what I mean by dovetail? Uh, I mean, I've heard it, I think I've heard of it before, but not really. No. Okay, dove, dovetail is when you take a flat piece of wood and carve holes in it like this. And then you take car, uh, holes, uh, take another piece of wood. You want to put these two pieces of wood together, but the way the carpenter does it is like this. Okay. Because he cuts notches out. This is what's called dovetailing. If you okay. don't have dovetailing in a chair, that chair will not be strong enough. You sit down in it, it's going to collapse. And that's what keeps happening with people over and over and over again in meditation is they think they've got the chair made, but they didn't do it correctly. And so when they sit down on it, it falls apart. Mm. You can't take the weight. So this is one of the skills that we're talking about is, is that we have to develop uh, not just uh, the appearance of the table or the appearance of the chair, but we have to put in the dove work, the dovetailing that's needed to give it strength. Okay. Okay. What does you this? You, uh, you, you go around the house, this, a wooden house, and you'll see evidence of that all all over the place. Yeah. Okay. So are you saying the way, like, for instance, that they'll take a two before that's like this, and they'll cut it down like that to put something here. That's the kind of dovetailing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why am I talking about this? Well, we're actually talking about the skills that need to be developed in the sense of um, keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back over and over and over again. A lot of people think that all of it, if I've uh, got a saw in my tool chest, that means that I have to be using the saw all the time. So I keep cutting and keep cutting and keep cutting and keep cutting. And that's not the way that we do meditation. You're not ever going to get any dovetails if you keep cutting something straight. Rather, what you have to do is you have to start putting notches in place to give it strength. Okay, what th that means that we have to stop the cut and then cut over here. And after we do that cut, then we take the hammer and a, um, a chisel and we'll knock that piece out. And then we'll go someplace else and do a cut here and a cut there. And then we'll take another hammer and chisel and cut that piece out. And so now you've got a notch in there. You see what I'm talking about? This means that we have to use the tools in combination. That we can't just pick up one tool and keep using it and keep using it and keep using it. There's a whole set of skills that we need in order to get the job done. And so in that regard, uh, you could say that, uh, that the beginning meditator thinks that there's not enough tools to get the job done or that they try to overuse those same tools over and over and over again. An example of this would be the Mahasi method and the noting. That we can't just keep noting. We also have to take that hammer and that chisel and knock that piece out. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. And so we begin to create an absence of things. What is the absence that we're creating is you can think of it as the notch. But you can also think of that as 
in this mind moment, we are notching out or cutting out that particular thought, that dukkha. And then we're going to fit it so that things fit together. And so what we're getting at here is there are several tools that we need. We need the hammer, we need the chisel, we need the saw, and we need to know what we're doing. In that regard, in Anapanasati, we, we need quite a number of tools. Okay, we need the tool of the body, we need the tool of the uh, feelings, we need the tool of the mind, we need the tool of the mind's objects. And in this case, you could think of that uh, the mind's objects is actually the wood that we're going to cut on to make the table. Okay. okay. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Is, is that so the tools that we need means that we have to take and notch this thing out so that things will fit together in a in a way that has strength behind it. Two pieces of wood sitting together like that, there's no vertical strength. They only have strength this way. But if you notch it, now it will have strength this way. So when this is pulled down, this this will come down also. It won't break. You got that? So Why is this? Go ahead. You're, you're saying that we need the instead of instead of just one one part of. I I don't know what the one thing that you would that you would keep hammering at. I guess like in terms of noting, yeah, like if you were just to keep noting, then you wouldn't develop the skill. But if you like you said, the four factors of mindfulness, sort of the, the mind, the mind objects, the body, and the feelings. If you, you need to develop all of those, those are your different tools that you need to develop. That's what you're saying? Yes. We need to develop um, all of the skills or all of the, uh, the tools to use them at the right time. And um, the Buddha had a, um, uh, a statement that gets uh, well propagated in the suttas. Um, one way of looking at it is that they call adventious defilements, but another one, which is actually, um, uh, in a sutta and describes what they're talking about is that it says one by one as they occur, one by one as they occur. And a lot of students think that all oh, they have to have an object of meditation rather than recognizing, know that this is a skill to where we're developing a number of objects of meditation. Uh. Okay, a number of objects of meditation. So merely the noting of what the mind is doing is a skill that needs to be developed. But that's like the sawing or cutting into it and seeing what's there. But then we also have to know which part of it to knock out. And that's where the judgment comes in of knocking out that unwholesome piece. Okay, that's the part that's important. That's also the skill to be developed is to knock out that um, and make some room in there for that for that part of the wood that we don't need in there. So the next skill that needs to be developed would be um, going in the analogy of Anapanasati rather than the analogy of a, of a carpenter developing his skills. But many of the skills that we have to develop are in fact all 16 stages of Anapanasati. And that these, these tools fit in together in the sense of the first step of Anapanasati 
Um, it, it says, it specifies in Bhikkhu Buddhadasa in one of his books on Anapanasati, makes such an important point of this to where in other systems they don't make such an important point of it. But now I have recently seen a work that was uh, done by um, Mahasi Saladal so many years ago that it was actually translated into English in 1965. So this is one of the old things in there. And I wanted to, to, to bring this up or make a, a point of it is that this is one of the tools or the techniques then that are often missing or not taught well. And that what Mahasi talks about with the object in, of breathing is that he says you, you have to, and this is the translation out of the Burmese into English. Uh, and just because they had other Burmese who knew English didn't mean that they got the right translation. Sometimes we have to really work with these translations to get them right. But uh, he used the word falling on. Falling on in the sense of like thieves will fall upon a victim. Surround him, put him to the ground. Okay. Uh, another word that is used in that sentence is to confront. To confront the breath. To bring it to the ground, okay, to take control of it, to seize is the other word that's used. To seize your object, okay. This is completely different than noting. Okay, to actually seize that object is basically like uh, stopping the cutting with the saw and taking the hammer and the chisel and knocking that piece out. Taking it, grabbing a hold of it controlling it this is an important quality that we have to learn me, then to control things yeah let me interject right there just because uh my question that i have is sort of it's mixed in with all of this what you're saying here um which is that and it, it kind of sounds like you're getting at it but it's kind of indirect so what i'm what my question is that if i'm you know when, when i sit down to meditate i'm practicing and I'm practicing to develop the skill that I want available to me when I need it most. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if I'm practicing something on the piano, I'm practicing a certain song. And that's the song I want to be able to play. So I'm going to practice that song maybe. Or maybe you practice the fingering or whatever it is. But what the question is like is about um, on that in-breath we could talk about. And, and maybe this is moving away from necessarily the breath, but in terms of the feelings, when we're working with the feelings portion of things, and I'm bringing up the PT on the in-breath, and we're, I, I see how you're saying using the word confront, and you're using sort of these, uh, you're using these sort of ways to describe the way that you go about using it, go, go about doing this. So with the feelings, and when I go for that in-breath on the PT, what I am I'm starting to think that I that I maybe should be doing, I don't know if this is wrong, but really, when I do go for the PT, how do we want the PT to be when we need it most? We need it like as big as possible. So is that like a not is that a correct way of thinking about it? Is like I'm on this in breath, I'm gonna bring as much as I have, or is that doing too much effort? Do you think? That's the question. Well. If it is right noble effort, then it's not too much. 
and that um let's go back to the piano for just a moment because you were mentioning that um there are many many different techniques of fingering that give the sound to the piano okay and that the note music is noted for this they have forte and pianissimo and all of that kind of stuff right so how hard you hit the piano how hard you strike the piano now have there are times when you are practicing a piece of music that you don't have completely there's there's a there's portions of it that the fingering is not good or that you haven't practiced it well the way to practice that is to slow it down and still get every note hit correctly mm. but generally the beginning student when he's playing it up up to speed he will what we call slough over it do mm. you know what i mean by sloughing over a passage I kind of imagine just like maybe like kind of fumbling your way through it fumbling our way through it exactly now fumbling our way through it is not the same thing as seizing it is it no okay and many no. many meditators kind of fumble their way through practice mm. rather than actually seizing the object now here's the point if i can take the whole thing and put it down into one little statement i would say it like this that if you can't control the mind enough to control the breath and you can't control the breath then you're not ever going to learn to control the feelings but by learning to seize the breath that will give you the skills needed to be able to seize the feelings also you have okay. to learn to control this stuff and we have to do it in a way that's not sloughing it off. Mm. And Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa makes a, such an important point about this. And it's also stated right there in the suttas in the sense of understand the long breath is a long breath means that you really have to make sure that this is a long breath. And making sure that this is a long out breath making sure is basically the point that we're talking about here so when we're playing that piece of music that has that passage in it just a few notes that i keep missing i yeah. want to go over it over and over and over again and slow things down to make sure that i know what that little passage is so when i come up to it in the piece of music i don't slough over it mm. one thing that comes to mind with that to add on to that is to say like you said, like, yeah, the sloughing over it or the thinking that like hitting the piano harder is going to give you, it's not going to make this music any better. It's just going to make it louder, I guess, or sound off. But what I'm thinking here now in terms of if we want to talk, talk about how you're saying making sure and seizing it, I'm thinking now with that in-breath and you, we start with the breath, yes, and we, we have that long breath, long in-breath. And we say to ourselves, okay, on this in-breath, I feel really good. But I think one, so what, what I was asking was like, okay, like if I say I feel really good, 
maybe like on that second breath or something like that and i'm like i really want to make this good like i feel really really good or something like that i feel like that's like hitting the piano harder that's it's not right what i'm thinking maybe is a better approach is to sort of say like i'm really satisfied with this amount of with how good i feel right now that is like more of a compounding positive effect i would say i would say so yes that's exactly what we're looking for okay now um one of the things that is also um well known but the meditators don't really understand it to this point um that it's actually a major part of the practice or a major part of the skill is repetition repetition over and over and over and over again for instance how do you think that the child learns a poem how does he learn that poem? He goes no, over just... and over and over and over again. How does someone learn a piece of music? Mm-hmm. Very unlikely for somebody to hear a piece of music and then be able to sing in their head that whole piece of music. Unlikely. But when we hear it over and over and over and over again, then that piece of music um, will sink in, basically. But there's one more point, and that is, is that each piece of music is repetitive. One way of, rep- of repeating things over and over again is the refrain. You know what I mean by a refrain? No. Okay. Uh, the verse, and then the refrain, and then the next verse, and then the refrain, and the refrain is often repeated over and over and over again. Um, like a chorus? Like the chorus, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but other pieces of music, we use repetition um, inside the measure. And I can give you lots of examples of that. The two that I'm thinking about now that I'm just using as examples for the students is uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and The Girl from Impaniba. They probably couldn't be radically different. And yet one thing that they have in common is this one thing. Look at uh, Beethoven's symphony, the first movement is You hear that same thing repeated over and over and over again. Not only that, but it's very interesting that it has tension, 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 resolution. Da 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 is the tension. Da is the resolution. Da 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 da. Okay, so we have tension and resolution, and tension and resolution, and that gives the cycle over and over and over again. The repetitiveness of the tension, resolution, tension, resolution. Yeah. Yep. So you can hear that in the girl the Empanema. Da 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 da. You hear that repetition and also the resolution coming back to the resolution over and over and over again. This is what we also want to do with our practice of meditation: is this repeatedness of it over and over and over again. This is where we actually build sati. Mm. So is with each in breath, we seize that breath, and with each out breath, we seize that out breath. Mm. Over and over and over and over again, and that's what that repetition and that cycle 
of in and out and seizing the in breath and seizing the out breath um, is very much like um, hitting those notes, uh, uh, like in the girl of infamous. You hear that over and over again of that uh, syncopation, very different from almost backwards. And yet in the girl in infamous, kind of upside down, and yet it's got the same quality to it of constantly over and over and over and over again. This repetitive quality, uh, and yet the uh, is is what we're looking for, and yet the the students keep thinking that it's supposed to get deeper. That this breath is good, the next breath's got to be better, the next breath's got to be better. And now we're working on better and not working on watching the breathing. You can see that subtle shift that's happened in the mind. Working on, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to get that part. Um, Yeah, we, yeah, we want to, like, my question about trying to make the joy bigger instead of instead of getting the, the remembering down of the, of, the break, of the breath, is that what you're saying, kind of? Right, trying to make the joy bigger means that subtly this joy is not good enough. Yeah. Instead of just letting this joy be the joy that you were looking for. You struck it, you seized it, you got it. Let's do that yeah. again. Let's do that again. Let's do that again. This is the quality that we're looking for, not a gradual improvement at all. Because you've already got everything. As much as you yeah. needed, as much as you wanted, there it is. Wow. Okay. It's almost like the musician looking for the perfect note. Hmm. Can, can, what is the perfect note? There's, the answer is, is that notes are not perfect. They're in relationship merely to other notes or other mind moments. So looking for a particular uh, spectacular mind moment or some high point is, is dangerous for meditators. Why? Like because if, it, if they don't get that high point, now they're suffering because they don't get what they want. If they yeah. do get that high point, they'll have it for a short time. And then when they lose it, because they definitely will, then they'll pine for it and try to make it back again. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the part that makes um, the whole idea of um, uh, progress or going someplace. Really, the the important progress that we're making is, can we keep walking? That's the point. Can we keep walking? Not that this step is a powerful, important step. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just internalizing that right now, just in terms of like, you know, can we keep but it's not only the can we keep walking though right it's it's also 
can can we keep walking in this next step is going to be a good step. But not that, not that it's an important step, but it's not we're not stepping if in shape. If you watch where <laughs> you put that foot, the likelihood <laughs> of it being a pretty good step is much higher than if you're not watching where you're going. If you have some goal out in the future in mind, then you're not looking at what's happening right here. Or if right. you're judging, is this is this breath good enough? It's just more judgment. That's why I like the seizing that you said now. That's a new perspective because, like, uh, it's really bringing you to the here now is what I would say. It's like, this breath must be seized. If this breath is not seized, then I'm off thinking about the next breath probably right now and that we're not seizing this breath. and we're, That means we're not here now. Right. We're not, not walking. So, <laughs> so seizing that breath um, is something that all the masters talk about. The Buddha does, Mahasi does, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa just drones on and on and about it. Uh, and so um, this is a, a quality that's missed for, by many meditators because mm -hmm. they've been wrongly told to just observe or just watch the breath. What a much better verb would be, would be to seize it. To seize the breath, to make kind it think like know. it's the only breath. Huh? It's the, kind of treating it like it's the only breath. Sort of, I don't know. No? Well, like it's this one, because this one is the only breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like, at any particular moment in time, there's only one breath, and that's this one. Because you could, because I feel like you can kind of, like, during the Anapanasati, during the sitting, I could see myself kind of maybe getting lost in, like, the context of a session and thinking that this is the context of the session. I'm watching these long breaths. But when you look at it that way in the context of a session, looking at long breaths in general, I'm not really seizing this breath. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so seizing this breath. Now, many meditators said, oh, yeah, but I've done that and I get bored with it. Mm. If they do, then that's there are several things. One is they're not seizing it because you can't get bored when you're seizing something. Mm. When you're grasping a hold of something and holding tight, you're not bored. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one thing. Uh. Uh, uh, and so seizing that breath and making sure that we're seizing the breath because because um, it's life like, itself <laughs> like playing the piano it is in fact repetition that's needed but it's the repetition that in fact the repetition is so important that it's it's our entire life who wants an automobile engine that only runs one time <laughs> no one. No, we want it to go over and over and over and over and over again. Same thing with a clock. How many clocks do? You, uh, how many times do you want that clock to tick? Forever. Just keep ticking. <laughs> Just keep That's right. Yeah. Just repeat. Just keep. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of the um, uh, the book that Hitler wrote when he was in prison in the 1920s? The name of it was Mein Kampf. I've heard of the book. I didn't know he was in prison. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it when he was in prison. Um, that does not speak well of our future 
uh, looking at what's about to happen to Trump. But never mind. Let's not go there. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to write in prison. Uh, but the point that we're making is in this book of Mein Kampf, he makes an, an observation that winds up being uh, the modus operandi or his whole method of operation when he got power. And you can see politicians doing that. And that is, is that they keep repeating the same thing over and over again. So what Hitler actually said in Mein Kampf is that if you repeat a lie often enough, over and over enough, people will begin to believe it even when they knew it was a lie in the first place. Hmm. And there's a mechanism inside the human brain that makes that possible. And that is, is that the human brain is not a fact-finding machine, nor is it a truth-locating machine. What it is is a pattern-matching machine. Mm-hmm. And so we keep hitting that same pattern over and over and over again. We keep matching it over and over again. We keep coming to resolution over and over again. And we feel good about that because it resolves over and over again the same way even though kind of deep down inside we know it's a lie but it becomes familiar in fact that word familiar that we use you can see what words come out of that in our language family um so things that happen over and over again becomes our family mm-hmm. and that we have been practicing over and over again um, things that cause suffering, cause dukkha. We believe lies that we've been told. We were told those lies over and over and over again. Even as little kids, we thought uh, that that was a bunch of crap. But we kept being told that by the adults over and over again until we began to accept it. And then we began to believe it. And then we began to think of it as true. Where, in fact, it never was true. We knew it wasn't true in the beginning. (laughs) But we kept hearing it over and over and over and over again. (laughs) But we can use that whole thing, that repetition, to our advantage. Music uses it to the advantage over and over and over again. And so what we're saying here is, is that it's not to reach some special place or to get some special destination is, is what meditation is. Meditation is the practice of learning how to walk one step at a time and you keep stepping, you keep stepping. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. And that stepping then is that seizing of the ground with your foot. You fall on it. You. (laughs) Okay. So this is how we uh, begin to practice. How does that that thing? How does could you could you give a um because this is honestly this is almost feeling like a whole new practice to me. It's the way you're experiencing it. It's like not a whole new practice, but it's just a matter of like my approach to it. I feel like when I go and meditate after this and practice after this, it's gonna be a little bit more uh tactical, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um and so how would you go about when you say this tactical approach to stepping out of the way? Um and I mean practically like what is the process with moving out of the hindrances 
I mean, is it is I mean, I, I still like to go with my aha, I see you, Mara. I tend to do it sort of very uh, like I, I, if I just get a whiff of it, even even if it's not fully formed yet, if I get a whiff of it, I'm just like in my mind, aha, I see you, Mara, and I'm going back to the breath like in that way. Exactly. Yeah. Not fully formed yet. What you're actually saying is, is that you only spent one mind moment or maybe two mind moments going down that path. And then you says, wait a minute, I see you, Myra. That's your backup gear. You start down that thought sequence and then you stop and you back up. All right. Yeah. Or you say, aha, I see you, Myra. Or in the analogy of the wood, that now is the time when we have seen that those two cuts are there and we can see what that is. We can and knock it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now there's two there's two kinds of dovetails. One is a square dovetail and the other one is a triangular dovetail. What we mean by a square dovetail is is that the wood is cut square and then knocked out. And then another cut is square and knocked out. But a triangle means is that when you cut that the long piece of wood is here, I'm going to make two cuts like this and then knock that triangle out. Mm-hmm. And then when I uh, do that with another piece of wood, then it's not just interlocking, but it's really grabbing holes. So now it has strength coming this way as well as vertical strength. And those two pieces of wood are really joined. Okay, the reason that we're talking about this is because we have to know that this thought is a hindered thought. We have to know that that's the part that needs to be knocked out. Mm. Okay. And that many people don't understand that, that, uh, that in fact, the typical thing of the, of the beginning meditator is when they recognize the mind has wandered away from the breathing, then they'll say, oh, no, the mind has wandered away from, and now the mind is still wandering away from it, but now they're caught into the pity party of the mind has wandered away. Yeah. And it still wandered away. They never do knock that thing out and say, yeah. never mind, start again. The way that uh, Goenka recommends, come back. Okay, that coming back is a seizing of that object. It's not meandering back. It is Johnny on the spotter. It's whacking that piece out. This is the kind of thing that we're... Um, uh, talking about is one's right effort. Am I missing something if I, if I, you know, let's say there's that I do a quick one, right? And then on that one mind moment, if I just go and I say, like, I, I know, like, I don't, I don't necessarily have to do the full verbal. Like, do I have to do the full verbal? Like, aha, I see Mara. Why not just go back to the breath immediately as, as I see that stuff? Or is it good to really make a note and make like a statement about it and really make a that is the suffering, and here we go, back to the breath. Or is it okay to just be like, nope, I'm not going to go there, back to the breath? I would say either one of those, depending upon your skill level. Okay. And that the more skill is, is that as soon as you see that mind moment, you take just one more mind moment to whack that thing out, and the next moment you're in joy. Why, why bring it out or extend it out when, in fact, You've got the skills to do whack, 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 like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in the yes, beginning, definitely. we want to make sure. 
jump right into the joy. Like, just jump. Oh, the breath is here. We can go up now. Right. <laughs> Forget this. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly so. And so what we're actually talking about here in a way is, is that by seizing the breath, we're actually cutting out intermediate mind moments in the process. In other words, the mind does not have to spin in hindrances for 20, 30, 40, 75, 100,000 mind moments before you seize that thing, you put a stop to it. Okay, so now you're down at the level to where one or two thought moments, you see that stuff and then you whack it out. Okay, now we're talking about a mind moment uh, in reference to and there's general consensus with this in, in the sense of observation that the human mind moment is about a tenth of a second. Okay. And so at a tenth of a second, that's about um, the same thing as reaction time is now in the, in the level of about 200 milliseconds. And what I mean by reaction time, you can test this for yourself on, this, uh, on the computer. Is there uh, programs you can find on Google that, um, uh, for reaction time? And one example is they have the, the whole screen is red or the whole um, uh, window. The whole uh, field of view is red. And then they'll turn it green with the instructions of when it turns green, click the mouse. Mm-hmm. And then the computer will uh, 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 use the clock uh, uh, changes of when it changed the screen color and how long did it take you to click the mouse? And that gives you an idea of a reaction time. And with a very, very simple reaction time like this, you can say that when the screen turns green and you see it turn green, that's one mind moment. And then the next mind moment is clicking the mouse. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. it's very complicated. It may take more than that. This is one of the things that they do uh, with... Uh, uh, SWAT team and military training is is that they will put the, uh, the military people into a situation then have screens come up and they have to make the determination is that friend or foe? Is this dangerous? In other words, you can't um, uh, with the reaction time if the screen turns from red to blue, you that's not the time to click the mouse. And so yeah. if it goes from uh, from red to either green or blue, it's going to take you three mind moments to figure out before you kick that mouse. You see what I'm talking about? I'm thinking of, I, I, I can't help but share this. It's, you're going to laugh. But like this morning, I was very determined to not think about a certain thing that was on my to not do list. And um, during my first meditation session, I remember I mean, I, I'm just like getting warmed up here, right? I mean, uh, I remember uh, just the thought came up and I like, I kind of reacted so quickly to it. I kind of like jumped in my seat. I was like, get out of that. Get away from me. <laughs> that ju- that's the seizing. You jumped on that one. That's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Ah, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To seize the breath or to seize these mind moments and recognize, yeah, I got you. I see that. Or in the analogy of the uh, 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 the carpenter, once we get that dovetail thing, we have to take that uh, chisel with that hammer and whack, pull that thing out. 
Yep. This is the, uh, the practice. And when we get that practice as a skill developed, then we know that we can do that. We know that every time uh, when we get that saw cut down to that same, now it's time to let the saw down and to whack that thing and to pull that piece out. Okay. So, uh, so there are going to be wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts and wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts. So we want to wind up with it like this. Rather than a solid sheet of thoughts, there's going to be thoughts that are going to be removed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cut out. And that we do that also by seizing the breath, by controlling the breath. So we want to make sure that this is a long breath. We're going to seize it and make sure that it's a long breath. We're going to seize yeah. it and make sure that it's a long in breath. And we're going to season and make sure that it's a long out breath. This is now the repetition that we were talking about before is the repetition of sati. Of uh, that point of not just um, being mindful of the breath, but in fact, seizing it and say, this is going to be a long breath. This is a long breath. That's that's the difference that uh, that these ancient monks and the Buddha are talking about is that it's not a passive mindfulness. It's a very, very powerful mindfulness in the sense that it seizes the object, it grabs hold of it, and then it grabs the next object. But it's okay to have that when we say seizing, it's still okay to do have that you could have that long breath seized in a very small amount of mind moments and then you have the entire length of the breath to seize other things right a whole lot of other things to be seized exactly yeah but in that moan, mind moment we want to make sure see we don't have to spend the entire time on that line that long breath we've already made sure that it was going to be a long breath mm -hmm. Okay, so we seized it and we made it a long breath. Now that gives us a, a plenty of time, for instance, for the mind to wander away. And we're going to make sure that it doesn't, that we're going to be seizing the mind as well as seizing the breath. Mm. Okay, this and the seizing the mind that way is also that point that we talk about of gladdening the mind or when the Buddha says, aha, I see you, Mara. So now we've got the mind and the, uh, the breathing uh, working together in sync. They're synchronized together. And so the mind controls the breathing, but controlling the breathing controls the mind. Yes. So now we've got about half the job done. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, we got most of the job done. The only part of the job that's left to be done is the Vedana or the feelings. And that's the big one. However, we can do it. We know we can do it because we've already been able to seize the breath. We've already been able to seize the mind and the mind thoughts. So now it's time to seize those feelings also. And so in a way we were saying before, you've heard me say this many times, I'm sure, that we talk ourselves into feeling bad. We can also talk ourselves into feeling good. Yes. Right. And we're going to be able to do that if we seize it rather than piddle with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's where it comes in with the Vedana also, is that we want to seize it too, that Mahasi was actually not talking about just the breath, about seizing it, but he was talking about also with the breath, seizing it. So now we're also going to work on seizing the feelings too. Aha, I see you, Myra, is actually part of that seizing process to say, oh, I'm glad I don't have to think about or feel that way. Yes. That I can begin to feel the way that I want to. I don't have to feel the way that I'm in the habit of feeling. Now, some students say, oh, well, it feels really artificial to just tell myself to gladden the mind and I still feel like shit. Well, that's because they keep seizing the shit. (laughs) 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 And they keep judging and say, that's not good enough. In fact, what we need to do instead was saying, yeah, that is a bunch of shit, but I just seized it. That is not going to run my life anymore, that I'm going to run the life I'm going to have. I'm going to feel the way that I want to feel. And if I'm not feeling exactly the way that I want to feel, at least I feel a lot better than I did when I was just muddling in it. Yes. Okay. That I'm actually making the intention to seize the breath, to seize the, uh, uh, the, the mind in the sense of seizing the breath. To making sure that you that you seize that breath is actually the mind. That's a funny thing, but it, uh, you can't seize yeah. the breath without the mind. Right. And otherwise, it's going to go back to the normal breathing, which is controlled by the reptilian brain, which is way in the back. That's a very very primitive part of the brain is that breathing apparatus. But we're going to bring it up to the frontal part. We're going to make sure that we seize the breath. That's actually waking up the frontal cortex. So let me ask you a quick question here. So um, in terms of seizing, I'm just thinking about this right now. You come in. I mean, if we could just talk through it. I come in. I take that that first few mind moments to really establish and seize. I feel like establish is a good word to use maybe to establish this is a long breath. Mm -hmm. Seize that this is a long breath. And then on that, the next few mind moments, what I'm typically trying to do is now on, I I might even say like on this long breath, everything is so wonderful or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, or how, however I can go about, I guess, seizing into seizing a, a really wholesome thought. Exactly. So. Yeah. And a very good wholesome thought would be, the thought of, wow, what a relief. Mm-hmm. Wow, this stuff works. Wow, yeah. I don't have to feel bad. That, mm-hmm. that wow part, or aha, that's also the quality of the seizing it. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> aha, I see you. Oh, wow, I know what's going on. Okay, so we're putting that extra uh, right effort into it. The wrong effort is, oh, no. The wrong effort is, oh, I can't do this. This is hard work. No, it's not. This is joyful. And we're going to seize that joy. Yeah. <laughs> Grab hold of it. That's pretty funny that you use the example of the thieves <laughs> seizing the victim. Pardon? I said that's pretty funny that you use the example of uh, thieves seizing the victim. <laughs> I mean, I just it, it just really does... 
it, it really hits the point home because you're you're really approaching that breath like hey you're a long breath you're gonna be a long breath whether you like it or not <laughs> uh-huh exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah that we're no longer the victim of our bad feelings we're no longer the victim of our bad breathing we're no longer the victim we're the boss now yeah it takes it takes that change of attitude to actually do the seizing that aha is actually coming from that higher mind state of um, uh, the right attitude. Right, yeah. The wrong yes. attitude is, I can watch it, but it's doing its thing, and I don't have much power over my life or power over my breath, or I don't have any power over my feelings, and I'm, I gotta go along to get along, because otherwise, if I don't do what I'm told, something or someone's gonna beat my ass. Yeah. Okay, that's the whole victim's position, and we're practicing here on being the champion. And the champion, every breath is the champion is going to seize that breath, <laughs> not just kind of let it happen and kind of watch it happening. Wow. Yeah. I mean that that's so funny. We're kind of answering all my questions that I had <laughs> with just <laughs> getting into this stuff here. I was going to talk about that confidence. And that certainty aspect, but if you really think about it, the seizing itself is is uh, act of certainty and confidence. And so you're mm -hmm. developing that skill almost, uh, I guess, tangentially or like adjacently. With every breath, we're keeping yeah. developing that little skill of I'm the boss here. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's almost like an indirect. Uh, way of doing it, in a sense, it, it it is direct. But I'm just saying it's indirect. As in, like, you know, to to, to see something requires requires a certain attitude to be developed. So, mm -hmm. there you exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. Right. They work hand in hand together like that. That's why I was using the analogy with the carpenter of knocking that piece out. Yeah. To seize that thing, to seize mm -hmm. the breath, to knock that bad thought out, or to uh, yeah. uh, also with the feelings we can also use the example because you said the the it's so funny the thief example but it does make sense and also if you think about like a bank robber like robbing a bank like, mm -hmm. like you're not gonna ask for the money politely <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> you're you're telling them to come up with that money right now Right, exactly. It's mine. I got it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Now, when we say it that way, we're still using conventional language. The the whole point is that there, there's no me in there. That in fact, if there's the me, there's the victim. Mm. Okay. That selfishness of that victim is uh, is subject to suffering, and so when we're talking about seizing the object, there's no self in there. There's merely the object and the seizing. Mm. Okay. And the attitude yeah. of the seizing. Yeah. And there's no poor me in there. If there's anything, is that confidence got it? Got this one. Got this one. Okay. That's the kind of attitude. And so this repetition of the sati, of every breath. Knowing that it's an in-breath, knowing that it's a long in-breath, knowing that it's a long out-breath, and these other things, uh, that's one skill. 
the seizing of the breath, so the remembering to seize the breath and then the seizing of the breath are actually two different kinds of um, uh, skills. But that seizing is also the quality of in the investigation, to really take a look at it, to note it well, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, that it's not a wishy-washy kind of noting, but it's, ah, I got you. Aha, I see that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so now we're looking at the fact that we've got a lot of different little skills that we're developing there. It's not just the skill of sawing wood of the sati, but it's also the seizing of that object, knocking those unwholesome thoughts out, actually seizing the Vedana and say, you know, you are OK. You don't have to feel bad right now. Stop it. <laughs> feel good already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can feel good. And that it's not a matter of feeling okay a little bit now, and then next time I feel better. No, go go ahead and seize then the satisfaction. Seize the in fact, seizing the satisfaction <laughs> will bring the satisfaction on. I am satisfied. Period. I got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, because um, I think that sometimes I could get it. Well, I, maybe there's a little bit of truth to it because we did talk about one time about how. It does take maybe a couple minutes to get into that relaxation sometimes. But I think sometimes it's easy to get it, get um, carried away with like, okay, maybe the next breath I'll get a little bit better joy out of that one. But no, let's get it all right now. Right. This is good enough. This is good enough. I'm not worried about the Brex breath. It might be better or it might not be. That's not my business. The future yeah. is not my thing. My thing is to grab this breath, to seize right. this one. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, this is very, very valuable. <laughs> this is going to be very helpful. I, I hope, yes, I, when I ran across that in the Mahasi, I was said it, it was mind blowing. It was yeah. really mind blowing because everything that I've heard about Mahasi didn't have this in there. And yet Mahasi was making a big point of it. Yeah. And using that word to, to confront, to seize, to fall on it. Just like the, you're, when, you, when you're running, you know, every step is not just uh, a, a placid foot, foot, but when you're running, that every footstep digs right in with your toes, digs into the ground. Right. That's the unremitting quality right there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Training the unremittingness of that. The training, I mean, the seizing, the unremittingness. I can do it. I can yeah. do it. Mm -hmm. And it's Just not a weak. it over and over again. It's not a weak uh, unremitting factor. It's like it's firing on all cylinders every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, the, but each cylinder is not firing all the time. That's the quality that most meditators miss. That that, mm. that cylinder is not fire all the time. It only fires instantly. And then it waits for the next cycle, and then it's turning, it fires again. So we have to develop the, the number of skills developed. Let's say there's eight skills with an eight-cylinder engine, and each one of them has to fire in sequence. Mm -hmm. And yet no one, they've experimented with this forever, uh, the our automobile engine manufacturers. And what they do is they always pair 
cylinders so that when one is going up, the other one is going down and things like this so that they fire. They never go in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight order. The firing sequence is always like two, six, three, seven, four, eight, one, two. But there's a lot of other sequences that are used with with engines. And so this is also the quality that we know that uh, these um, skills need to be firing at just the right point in time in the in our sequence. And so right. the first cylinder that fires is sati. The second cylinder that fires is this seizing the object in the sense of investigation. The next one is is to throw that thought out. And then the next mind moment is going to be to go on to the breath. The next mind moment then was going to be to take a deep breath, uh, excuse me, to gladden the mind, et cetera, like that. And then to seize the, uh, uh, the, the sukha, to seize the satisfaction. So these are the various things that need to be done uh, in a, uh, I would almost say in a particular order, but even those orders can be rearranged. The yes. which comes first, the gladdening of the mind or the deepening of the breath, the answer to that is kind of together. <laughs> they happen kind of together because yeah. the breath itself and the mind moment of making it a long breath is very short. We're talking about a mind moment. We're talking about a tenth of a second things are happening. And when you start to pay attention, you'll see all of that stuff. <laughs> it's actually quite a performance the mind does with all of these things. Yeah. I mean, it feels like we're going through um, the mind and the breath. I mean, the breath is, is kind of the body, too, at the same time. Um, but and, and my sati and things like that. But how do I wrap in the, the practice of, you know, I, I know I, I want to wash this breath, but also just like, you know, we've talked about this before, like getting the getting the everything sort of like watching everything opening up um like how am i seizing everything now at this point like what how does that work you know like i'm talking about maybe we're talking about like sensations on the skin and like just like looking for any little thing that pops up is it like kind of like as it comes up you grab it sort of type of the deal or what i would say we could go so far as to talk about it with like a checklist okay and that things are not going to come up on the checklist in the order of the checklist, but if we keep arranging and playing with the checklist, we'll eventually get the checklist in at least a usable order because it's, there's going to be slight variations from time to time anyway. So we kind of get a usable checklist order. Okay. And the checklist has things like every one of them is going to be a point and a, a practice of Anapanasati. So one is to note or to remember, to wake up, okay? So we're just lollygagging around, not paying any attention, whether we're meditating or not, doesn't matter. I mean, all of a sudden, we just wake up to the moment. What's happening yeah. right now? Take a mm -hmm. look at what's going on, okay? So that's always the top of the list, sati. If we don't do that, we can't do any of the other skills. So you could always say sati is the top item on the list. The is second your, item, the, go ahead. I mean, we could just say a quick pause, but the, the so that sati, I mean, I, I just thought about this in my head, like, okay, like, but, but the sati's for, like, the body, the mind, 
like the feelings, everything, like kind of when we say wake, wake up to the moment, what's going on, it's what's going on in terms of what's going on in the body, what's going on in the mind, what's going on in the feelings, that type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's the investigation, is to make a quick check. Mm -hmm. I got an old joke that will help to understand this. And that was that there were three on a plane. There was a priest, a Jewish rabbi, and a Buddhist monk. I, I know the plane. <laughs> you, you know the story? I've told it you to you. Know you what? <laughs> I like the joke. <laughs> okay. Well, the whole point about it is, is that the, uh, uh, the priest was doing a ritual. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jewish rabbi was doing an investigation on the mundane level. Spectacles, testicles, watch, and wallet. Mm -hmm. And the Buddhist monk was doing it on the super mundane level. Mm -hmm. Are my eyes open? Am I well behaved? Is my yes. heart open? Am I breathing well? Oh, I got it backwards. Never mind. Uh, but anyway, yes, we can check those things very quickly. Almost to the point that a skill meditator is only going to take one or two mind moments on each one of those things. Mm -hmm. And he may not do them all in each cycle. Mm. Okay. Uh, for instance, we may not note that the body is relaxed, but the body is relaxed. But if mm -hmm. the body is not relaxed, then we need to note that. Yes. Okay. So we're not. So there's going to be holes in that list. That every time that we go down the list, we're not maybe not going to check every item, and we may not check the items in the same thing. But it's still just a matter of checking off the items. Sati is wake up. Right effort. Uh, right effort leads to uh, uh, seizing the breath, seizing the mind, throwing out the uh, unwholesome objects, putting a wholesome object in the mind. But if you see throwing out the item, the unwholesome, and putting in the new can be done in one mind moment. Bad thought in this mind moment, good thought in this mind moment, tenth of a second later, right? Mm -hmm. And so talking about throwing out, well, that happened between the mind moments somehow, because the next mind moment was not an unwholesome thought, it was a wholesome thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. why? Because I seized it, and that wholesome thought, that new wholesome thought is in fact knocking out the old unwholesome possible sequence of thought after thought after thought after thought after thought and then wake up and say whack I throw that out mm. yep. and so now we're going through the sequence we throw that out we put a new wholesome thought in and uh, from my own experience this, the breath that long breath seems to come about that same time Mm. One or two mind moments later, I mean, they just work so quickly together that throwing that thought out and taking a deep breath happened together. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and we seize it. We grab hold of it. It's almost like um, ah, here's an example. It happens from time to time. A coffee cup will get knocked over or something will fall and you just happen to be in the frame of mind that you saw it and you can catch it in midair mm -hmm. right that's what we're talking about 
How many mind moments of when you see that cup fall, how many mind moments did it take before you actually held that cup in your hand? A few. Not many, just a few. Yeah. Just a yeah. few. As soon as you saw it, you also had the thought moment, I can catch this somehow. And then the arm goes out and grasps it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about that we can do as soon as you see the mind fall over, as soon as you see that cup fall or that uh, uh, bottle of water fall off the table, you grab it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's the practice. There you go. Uh-huh. I mean, and, and that is, uh, that's great. That's a great analogy because you're saving that cup is, is like your feelings right there that you're saving, you're catching exactly. that. Exactly, because well. you're, that's what you actually, uh, the real point of it is, is that that's your feelings. Your feelings just fell over. The thought gave you a, a kick. So the bad thought, the unwholesome thought is actually what is making the cup fall. Mm-hmm. And so grabbing that thing. The um, comma. The action. Yes. Exactly. And now we're going to stop that action. We're going to grab that cup. Comma to end all comma. <laughs> right. We're going to stop that action. And we're going to gladden the mind. And so that we can think of the next mind moment then is to firmly plant that cup back on the surface, back on the table. And that would be the grabbing of the suka. I am satisfied. That cup is safe now. It didn't fall. Mm. <sighs> and with that satisfaction then comes relief. And with that relief then comes the relaxation of the body. And you can see that kind of in that out-breath. Mm. So we're talking about the in-breath and then the out-breath. And by the time we get that out-breath, which is only a couple of three seconds later, there's been, what, now 20 or 30 mind moments. And by that time, we're in relaxation. And so we practice that little sequence over and over and over and over and over again until we get quite expert at it. We get fast. Yeah. But if we want a special event, then we're wanting something, and that's the subtle dukkha that's in the mind that the students don't see. Yeah. Wanting something. Mm. And if we want something... Then, we, then we're dissatisfied already. And so practicing that seizing of, I'm satisfied, this is good enough. Yes, because if you, if I, it seems like to me, if you seize and if you, to do the opposite of the seizing invites the piddling. And I think that the piddling is like hoping that like if I smash a couple of these keys on the keyboard, it'll sound okay. <laughs> And then uh-huh. you're, you're wanting, at that point, you want something special. You want something special to happen that's not going to happen because you, mm-hmm. you're you not even doing it right. What I was experienced with the piano was more of, if I slept through this, nobody will know it. And then it's a good piece of music because nobody heard the notes I missed. Yeah. I've never played piano, but, so I'm saying. But. <laughs> but worse than that, what happens is once the, the student misses one note or misses a little sequence, now he keeps remembering that. And that remembering of that failure that was only 20, 30 seconds ago is now preventing him from paying close attention to this note and this music. And so he's likely to screw up again. Yeah. 
you hear students doing that, uh, uh, beginning students a lot, that once they make a mistake, it's hard to recover. I've also seen that in uh, videos of uh, Zen archery, because that one is also very formalized, and it's almost music in the sense that the archer, I don't want to spend too much time, but I could spend a whole hour talking about uh, Zen archery. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that uh, in Western archery, it's do you hit the target or not? The target is the important thing, right? In archery, they got a target out there, and everybody, when the, when the arrow shoots, everybody's looking, where does it hit the target? The Zen is all about the form, all about the doing it correctly, the drawing of the arrow exactly right, the put, the notching of the arrow, the pulling of the bow down. Actually, uh, it starts with notching of the arrow right in front of your face, and then the bow is pushed out. And as soon as the bow is pushed out, all the aiming that was going to be done has already been done, and so they let the arrow fly immediately. An example of what, what's going on is, is that if you use the two fingers to pull the arrow back, then you can hold it for a long time and take aim. But when you let the arrow fly with these two fingers, it will subtly affect the way that the, the arrow is going to fly. And so in the Zen, they use the thumb and the index finger to not to notch and hold the arrow. Well, there's not very much strength in doing it this way. Yeah. Because you don't have that hooking around. You just have this, which means you can't hold it long. Well, that's all right, because we're not going to hold it long. As soon as we draw the arrow back, we're going to fly. We're going to let it fly. But in mm-hmm. fact, the bow, the pushing of the bow out, as soon as the bow out goes, that's when you let the arrow fly. You don't take aim. You let, the, you let the procedure of doing it correctly hit the target. Right. And so in that regard, the, the Zen man, master can let that arrow fly, take his bow and start to walk away, and he doesn't even bother to look at the target because his job is done. He's already done everything he needs to do. Now it's the arrow's job to hit the target or not. It's none of my business. <laughs> it's none of my business. Once the arrow has let fly, the arrow is none of my business. The yeah. arrow has its own trajectory now, and it's going to deal with the wind and deal with whatever it has to deal with and do its thing. My job was to do it correctly, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is because there was a video that I saw, and you could actually see it because they played it several times, that the guy, the, uh, the Zen archer, missed the target when he was when he was taking the arrow out of the quiver. Mm. Why? Really? Because he missed it. He didn't get it immediately. He had to go fumble around to get that arrow. And in the fumbling around of that arrow, he missed the procedure. He missed his timing. And therefore, yeah. he missed his shot. That's exactly the same thing as that when the piano student makes one mistake on the piano, they're going to start making a whole lot of mistakes before they finish that piece. You have to wake up to that hindrance. Exactly. Throw it out. That's what happens with meditators or not. Once they go down that sewer, when they find themselves in the sewer, they just stay in the sewer. Yeah. They don't seize it and say, I'm coming out of this. 
Mm. Mm. Yes. It, it's kind of funny because I'm just trying to think about sometimes, you know, we, we're talking about like moving really quickly here, but sometimes I, I do notice that the hindrance can go on for like, you know, more than, more than I, you know, would be great sometimes. So at that point, I could see how a lot of meditators, including myself, will, you know, uh, wow, I spent I spent, <laughs> spent a good couple of my moments on that one. Let's, you know, that, and so then you start getting your head and you, you have, that's where you have that thought like, uh, that wasn't good, you know. And so that's that's where we need to start catching ourselves a little earlier in that process and, and not do that and actually come out of it. You're touching on something. And that is, is that when the mind is in hindrances, how long it's been in hindrances, we don't know. Because we didn't wake up. And so there we are in the hindrances, screwing, 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 screwing. And we don't know how long we've been doing that. But when we wake up, we know now is the time to throw that stuff out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about how long it's been. How, because worrying over how long you've been suffering is just more suffering. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing as like missing the bow. And then at this point, you're like, oh, I missed the bow at that point. So now I'm off here. You're worrying yeah. about how was I, how did I miss that bow back there, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's what happens. And we have to stop that and seize this moment, this instant of time, mm-hmm. and come back into it. Check that investigation, throw that thought out, gladden that mind, take that deep breath. And so these are all the things, and then bring in that level of satisfaction. Very soon after that, if we keep practicing that way, then the last missing piece of the pie comes into place, and that is the right attitude, and that is the surety, I can do this. That that's the final solution is, or the final outcome is, relief because we know that we can do it. And that eradicates all the doubt, all the worries, everything. And you can just come to a state of ease because you know that anything that comes up, you can handle it. Are we talking about something that, because uh, I've had that, I, I always try to include that into my session, like verbally. But is that kind of something that you're saying um, will arise almost naturally through this process? But it will arise naturally because you are, in fact, um, going over it over and over and over again. The repetition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's can't. what causes the uh, the connections to be made at a deep neurological. Uh, place that we're actually building up habits. Yeah. Well, it's the weekend for me now, so my, my plan is to like just like today. I, I really did a, I think a good job of practicing like a, a good amount and, and being mindful throughout the day and um, or like you know what practicing like what we're talking about here, like kind of like throughout the day. So like what I what I'm thinking like because what I did today was sort of like 20 minutes in the morning, and then, um, like every hour or so I would just go and do like 10 minutes, and then at at lunch I go for 20 minutes, and then just now before I called you I did like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
and then like while I'm while I'm uh, I noticed that we talked about the working on the computer and like getting really really like enjoying what you're doing on the computer and that kind of thing. But I it it's I know we we said it wouldn't be easy to do that, and but and and so um it's learning to dance in thorns as you said. But I just find, like, at the stage I'm at now, it might be better for for me to kind of just continue to, um, I guess, split up. I, it sort of is splitting up the focus a bit. Is like I've got one one hand on the computer and the other hand on thinking about gladdening the mind and and breathing and uh, and 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 feeling satisfaction. Bless you, feeling satisfaction and and feeling joy and and sort of uh maybe taking the breaks here and there to just you know be in the body and things like that um rather than i mean I, when i'm when i'm on the computer it's like if i get lost if i do get lost in the work i don't know it just it it, it doesn't feel that satisfying to get lost in the work maybe that's part of do though to get satisfied with with being lost in the work yes so that's then back to that quality of not being lost in it, to seize it. Mm. Okay. To grab hold of that, to take that, um, to take the power, to put in the right effort, to grab okay. hold of that thing. I got yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. Seize the day. Seize. <laughs> yeah, seize there's the day. Latin phrase that means see uh, or seize seize the moment or seize uh, uh, something or another. I've forgotten what it was, but there's some Latin phrases that has that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is common. I'll look that up. In any case, yeah, we've been um, going on for a while, so we'll seize this moment to uh, to end the conversation. <laughs> we'll seize the conversation. <laughs> All right. Yeah, man, this is a really great session. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Great. I'm glad nice. you got something out of it. Excellent. I'm excited to test out the new toys. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, right. see you later. Thank you. Bye. See you later.